Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, worship team. You guys may be seated. Good morning, good morning. How are you doing? Thank you, this side, this side, you're still asleep, that's okay, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, I've already had two cups of coffee, I've been up since 4.30, so I'm ready to go. Well, hey, if you're joining us online, I want to say good morning, welcome, you guys, today we are starting our online, we are live right now, streaming, so we're ready to go, but I have a question for you, I have a question. Are you getting the most out of your life? If you right now, you're sitting and thinking about your life, are you getting the most out of it? I don't know how many of you in here are Hot Wings fans. I love Hot Wings. I love them. But right here is a sort of a gauge of Hot Wings. You have here, you have the, 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 uh, a ranking of one to five. Sorry they got cut off. I really don't know what happened to that graphic. Um, one to five. Where would you rank yourself? Are you a one when it comes to a Hot Wing eater? Or are you a five? You eat it down to the bone. Where, where are you? And I wonder, is this how you live your life? Are you a one and you're getting just enough? Or are you down to the number five and you are getting every bit of life you can out of the life God's given you? Now, now maybe you're a watermelon eater. Maybe, maybe this is more you. Maybe look at, look at the first one right here. You, you see, here's one piece of water. How many of you, this is how much watermelon you leave after you get a piece of watermelon? Is that you? I remember, um, you know, I think I was told as a kid, you don't want to eat too close to the rind because it'll make you sick. But then I learned as I studied watermelon this week that you can actually eat the whole thing. You can pickle the outside of the watermelon, which I don't know if I could ever do. Or, or are you this kind of watermelon eater? Go to the next one. You eat it all the way down. You see, I, I think some of us, we are not getting everything out of life that we can. I think we're not getting the most out of life. And I wonder if you were really to evaluate, sit back, and look at your life, I wonder if you would, would really assess it and say, yes, I am doing everything I can to get every bit of life out of my life. Or would you sit back and go, no, probably not. I'm skimming by in, in parenting. I'm skimming by in marriage. I'm, I'm skimming by in school. I mean, I, I had a friend, he said, Jeremiah, C's and D's get degrees. If you are a young person, that may be a true statement, but it's not good. And, and I thought, man, I wonder how many of us, that, that's sort of where we're living. I wonder if we're not getting everything out of life that we can. Today, I, I want, today, my, my hope is that we sit back and we actually look at our lives and say, you know what? At the end of everything, I want to know I did it to my fullest. So many of us, we are like, well, I just want to get married. I, I just want that perfect job. I just want to get retirement. And at the end, for what, though? For what? So many times, people, we, we, we think and we think more and more about retirement. And then once we get there, all we do is have fun. I heard a message by a guy named John Piper, and he was talking about this this couple who they lived their whole life saving, saving, saving for retirement. And they finally got there. And you know what they did with retirement? They moved to Florida and they collected shells. Shells. And I wonder if at the end of your life, do you want this t shirt? 
right here. I survived 2020 and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. At the end of your life, will your shirt say something? I lived to be 78 and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. You see, I think we all want to live for more. I think we all want a purpose. I think we all, in the end, we want to leave a legacy. I, I believe that. I really believe that about all of us. I don't think we just want to skim by and get life by, but I think we just don't know what to do next. We don't know how to do it. How can we get the most out of our life? I believe you can get the most out of your life and love living it. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, God, you are a good God and you have so much planned for our lives. Lord, you want to, you want to move in and through us, God. Lord, if we are sitting now and if we are just skimming by, I just want to say, God, rejuvenate, recharge, give us drive and purpose. Lord, I thank you, God, that you don't give up on us. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd speak to each one of us now in this room. God, that we would hear from you, and Lord, that we would desire to follow you with everything that we have. God, for those churches around the valley today that are meeting, God, I ask that you would bless them. Lord, bless them over to Apollo Baptist. Lord, bless my friends over at Relentless and over at The Refuge, CCV, Calvary PHX, Lord, and bless us here at City View. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, hey, good morning, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I'm the lead pastor here at City View Church, and I would just want to say welcome and thank you for joining us if this is your first time. If you're joining us online, I want to say good morning and welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. So as Mark shared about Thailand, Thailand's got a special place in my wife and my heart, in our heart. We, the first time we went there was in 2010, um, and we met a little girl named Nung Mon. Nung Mon, if you guys remember, uh, I think it was in 2009, early 2010, where the, the tsunami that hit Burma. Well, they have, in, in, at this orphanage, they received some kids that lost their parents in that tsunami. Nung Mon was one of them. She was four years old, as old as one of our kids. And if we could have, we would have adopted her. If we could have just taken her home, put her in her bag, we would have that little girl right here with us. We started looking through the process, and it was like next to impossible to do so. But those are the kids. Those are some of the stories. There's a story of a young man. I can't, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he grew up through the orphanage. He fell out. I don't know if he fell out or if his parents threw him out out of one of those huts that are on the, 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 like, the poles. Broke his back. His parents couldn't do anything with him anymore, so what do they do? They, they sort of tossed him out. He grew up at the orphanage. Now he's one of the key leaders at one of the new orphanages they just opened up a few years ago. These are the kind of lives. So when, when we say you're picking a name, you're not picking a name. You're picking a life changer. You're picking somebody who's living their life to the fullest. So I just want to encourage you. My family and I, we let our kids pick each a name. My kids have all been there. And I just want to encourage you guys. We want every kid off that tree to get a present this year. The reason why we're not doing the boxes is we, when we found out it cost them $1,500. So when I look at like what Samaritan's Purse is doing, I think that's great. But I wonder how much money are they spending to, it's just so much money. And that's why they probably charge you the $9 to send the box. It's so much more. As we looked more into it, it's just, it's insane. And so we reached out to Ron Miller who oversees all the orphanages. And we say, what can we do that's best for you? He goes, if you give us $20, we could do so much more 
in our country. Not only bless a small business here, but we could bless the kids with more than you could ever imagine to think with the things they need. So I just want to invite you to come alongside us and do something bigger than you. It might only be 20 bucks from you, but there's 85 kids that are going, I just want a Christmas. Your kids, my kids right now, the present, one of my sons wants Jordan somethings. He wants a shotgun and, and AirPods and Hopkins jersey. And I'm just like, gosh. And these kids are like, I just want pencils. I just want simple stuff. So get behind it. If you missed the party yesterday, you missed out. It was so much fun. We had well over 300 people at our party last night. I don't even know how many tacos we gave out, but it was insane. We had so much shaved ice. If you have not had the shaved ice at Happy Hanu, I am amazed. I've always been told it's the best. I can vouch. The, the Hawaiian vacation was the best. Sh- I'm not a huge shaved ice person to begin with. I'm not a sugar water. But what, there's ice cream at the bottom. And I wonder how many people like, oh, I just ate the ice. And I wonder how many people didn't go all the way to the fullest and didn't get it. So, hey, don't miss out next time. But, you know, so we're looking at, are we getting the most out of life? And, and we're, start, we're here in Philippians chapter 2. We're in a series called The Power Within You. So many of us are living the power within us, and we're only using the power we have. And we run out of power. This morning, our bass player, he was wondering why his bass was not working and not sounding as good. We actually talked about it. it, was, it was, somebody was saying, it just, something sounds off about it. You want to know what's wrong with it? The battery. The battery died. That single small 9-volt battery, which I don't, oh, I have a box that I'm supposed to stay in now. Um, and I was going to leave it already. Um, but this base right here, it, it, it's, it's a, a proactive or a, where is the base player? There's two things it does, either this or that. What does it do? It's active, not passive. Ooh, that'll preach right there. That'll preach right there. Because a passive, it just gets plugged in. They active. It needs power within it to power it. Come on right there. And I wonder how many of us, we're, we don't have the power we need to go and do what God's calling us to do. I wonder how many of us are missing out on that power. So we're in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look more at this power within us and how God is that power in us. Philippians chapter 2. But we're going to start in verses 12 and 13, and then we're going to go to verse 1. Because I think when we start here, and you're like, that's, that's not right. For those of you that are like, see, whatever the thing is where you have to go in order, um, see something. OCD, OCD. You're like, you can't even get my problem right, Jeremiah. Philippians chapter 12, verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This verse can be taken so wrong. Because what do we know about God's salvation? If, if you grew up in the church at all, you know that salvation is a free gift. It's the gift of grace, right? It's free. But then you come to a verse like this. It says, work out your salvation. So, you're right. so you might, some of you might think, 
so I've got to work for this? I've got to make sure I do everything I need to do to make sure I'm saved? Like, there's a, no, that's not at all what Paul is talking about, but many people have been living this way. We spend our whole life working to please someone, working to please and to be accepted, working to be someone, working to achieve, working to be liked, aren't we? We, we spend so much time just hoping somebody will notice us, somebody will like us, somebody will accept us, somebody will say, good job. We're just hoping, and we, we crave that. And I'm sure there are some of you in here where you have been trying to do this your whole life with God. You just want to keep God happy with you. You just want to know that God loves you. And maybe this is the God that you've learned about. The God that is, is this almost like bring down the hammer, rule over you, Zeus kind of God. He's waiting for you to make a mistake so he can chuck a lightning bolt at you and destroy your life. Maybe this is the kind of God that you, you grew up learning about, you grew up knowing about. Maybe you grew up in another religion where you just you knew that the whole thing was you had to make sure God was happy with you. So you read your Bible in the morning because you didn't want God to be mad at you. You went to church because you didn't want God to be mad at you. You did all these things. You went to confession. There's my guys, the, the mechanics that work on my car, they have a, it's called a, um, a spirit house. Every day, and if you are um, um, in like a Buddhist religion or even Thai religions, and they have these things called spirit houses, and it's a shelf or it's a little, it's a little platform that they have, and you'll see them probably, if you ever go to a Thai food restaurant, you'll see a little shelf. And what they do is they put food and a, drink, a fresh drink and all those things there, and they do it so that the spirits would be happy with them. Because they live in constant fear. Am I doing enough to please them? Will they bless my business? Will they bless my life? And I wonder how many of us are living, hoping that I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. But that is not what Paul is talking about. That is so far from his heart. This salvation that is available to all is free to you, but it costs Jesus everything. What Paul is actually saying is the idea of, of wanting, the idea is, is of, of, a, of a miner, somebody who's going into a mine. And they're going to mine that sh mine shaft until they get every bit of precious metal they can. That's the idea. They know there's gold there. They know there's diamonds. They know there's some kind of precious treasure. And they want every bit of it out of it. They don't want to miss out. So they're not the number one hot wing eater. They're the number five hot wing eater. They want to make sure they get everything out of it possible. It's, it's the idea of a person who's farming. And they've gone into their field. And they're not just taking the bare minimum. They want to make sure they harvest everything out of it. And Paul is saying, work out your salvation. Get everything out of it you can because there's so much goodness in it and I wonder how many of us are just skimming by with our salvation we just use it for Sunday making sure God's happy with us but we're not investing we're not pouring we're not letting God pour this love on us and so now we're going to go back to verse one and look about why is this salvation so precious so go with me to verse one now of chapter two Paul writes this. Now remember, as Paul's writing this letter, he's in prison. He's chained to guards. He's in a miserable place. It's not somewhere anybody wants to be, but he's writing this book that is called the Book of Joy. Philippians chapter 1, verse 2. He says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation or meaning comfort of love, 
if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. So when Paul says, work out your salvation, when he's saying, mine every bit out of it, when he's saying, get the most out of this life that Jesus has saved you in and the life he saved you from, when he says that, get the most out of it, he says, is there any encouragement? That's what he says in verse 1, is there? But it's more of a rhetorical question because he's hoping all of his readers know, well, of course there's encouragement in Jesus. But this word encouragement, it means also belonging. Is there any belonging in Jesus? Is, is there this place where you can feel welcomed and loved and at home? Here's what we know of Jesus. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. He says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I, I, and it's, it's this Savior, this loving Jesus that says, come and be part of what I'm doing. Follow me in life. Follow me in life. That's the first one. I think you should get these points here. Are they behind me? They're not. Um, he says, follow me. The next thing, so what we find in this encouragement, in this belonging in Jesus, is you can do great things in Jesus. Great things in him. So when he's saying, dig everything out of your salvation, mind for it. He says, one, you can be found in Jesus. Jesus wants you to follow him. One, you can do great things in Jesus. It says in John chapter 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with my father. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you're going to do greater works than what I'm doing. Paul says, man, work out your salvation. What do we find in this salvation? We can find belonging in this salvation. We can find belonging. We can find this, that great things can be done in and through you. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on these great things that can be done in and through you. Because here's the thing. You don't get to do great things if you don't step into those great things that God has for you. Some of us, we're so comfortable sitting, but we haven't stepped forward to see what God gets to do. Yesterday, because I'm so, so many of you went out last week and you went and invited our neighbors. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for going and inviting our neighbors. Because we had neighbors come last night. We had neighbors come last night. And I don't know, I know one of them is he lives literally right over there by the big trees. We have neighbors that are from over here and neighbors from over here that all came. I don't know where all their homes are. But they came because you invited because you stepped out and go, you know what, I'm going to do something great. And I don't know where those people are. I don't know where they're in with their, their life. I don't know where they're at with Jesus. I don't know where they're at with God. I don't know if at some point they knew him or not. But all I know is they came because of an invite, and an invite can do great things. There's lives in here that were invited to church, invited to Jesus, and because of one person saying, hey, come with me. And I'm sure there's some people in this room that your life has been changed because somebody chose to do something great. 
with a simple invite. So this encouragement, Paul, you know, he's, he says there in verse 12 that work out your salvation, mine, and dig everything out of it. And as we look at this salvation, we, we find that there's belonging in this. And then he says, if there is any comfort in Jesus, if there's any comfort. Now, he's not saying, so is there any comfort in Jesus? He's saying, if there's any comfort in Jesus, I like, come on, you know there's comfort in Jesus. There's a comfort that we, if you don't know Jesus, there's a comfort he offers us. He, 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 he says that he wants to give us his burden is easy. It's one of those comforts that we can have. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, then Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, is there any comfort? Is there any comfort in Jesus? Jesus says, I want to give you a light burden. I wonder how many of you came in with heavy burdens today. I wonder how many of us came in with, with this weight on our shoulders. I was listening to a good friend of mine. He's a pastor in, in, in Cleveland area, in, in Niles, Cleveland. And he was preaching this morning about just how heavy the burden he's bearing right now. He's just like, I know, I know many of you, you're wondering, when can I come back to church? Is it safe? He goes, I know many of you are wondering, am I ever going to get my job back? I know many of you are wondering. And he goes, I'm there. He goes, I, I'm in here right now going, God, wh what's going on right now in this world? And I'm listening to this pastor friend of mine, and he says, but you know what? He read this same verse. He says, but Jesus says he wants to bear my burden. I wonder how many of us are, are bearing a burden that Jesus never meant for you to carry doesn't mean life gets easier but there's a there's a thing in life when we realize the salvation and and you dig more and more into the mine of the salvation when you when you go more and more into the fields and you realize how plentiful the harvest is of the salvation of Jesus this love that Jesus has for us I wonder how many of us are just skimming the surface and we're missing out on how great it is and so Paul says there's comfort if there's comfort yeah there's comfort in Jesus he wants to give us a light burden Matthew chapter 28 verse 20 Jesus says I will I will I am with you always even to the end of the age I am with you always there's comfort in that there's comfort in that my fear yesterday I'll be totally honest I'm like God nobody's gonna show up nobody's gonna show up and then I'm gonna feel like a failure I'll be 100 percent honest with you. If you've ever started anything or done anything bigger than you, I know there's some of you, you've started restaurants, you've started things, and the first, I'll bet the first time you did it, you stepped out going, nobody's going to come. It's a scary thing. And I can't tell you <laughs> how many times, there's times Sunday, on Sunday mornings, I'm like, God, nobody's going to come to church today. There's times where we'll do an event, nobody's going to come to this. There's times, it's so many different things. But the thing we so many times forget, that when we mine into the salvation of Jesus, is that he will never leave us. You're never alone. It's never about you. You see, once it becomes about you, then it's that power in you, and then it's that power that is, is struggling, it's not working. You wonder, why in the world is this not working as it should be? Because you're running on your own power, on your own strength, on your own might. 
And God wants to run through you. The power within you is never about you. It's always about Jesus. And Jesus says, I am with you always. So what's in this salvation that we're mining out? Well, Paul says, one, that we can belong to, that there's comfort found in Jesus. Three, that we can find fellowship in him. Fellowship, friendship, relationship. In this fellowship, we learn that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our defense. He's our defense. He's the one that's going to fight for us, stand up for us, speak up for us. He's the one that's going to defend us when it seems like the world is coming after us. He is our advocate. It says in John chapter 14, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. You see, I wonder how many of us, we've, as we've been mining this salvation, as we've been learning more about Jesus, we only know what we know on Sunday mornings. And that's the extent. That would be like an athlete only knowing what they learn at, a ga- at game day. And they never go to practice. They don't work on anything later on. It'd be like a chef who only learns how to cook when they work. That would not be good food. If they're not testing it and trying it and saying, hey, try this. Like yesterday, that, man, let me tell you, the happy Hanu thing. So am I saying it right? That's right, right? Okay. So I got the Hawaiian vacation. He goes, I'm going to do something special for you. So the rest of you didn't get this, but I did. Um, He put this, some kind of whipped cream that was different than normal whipped cream, which I'm not a big whipped cream fan. It's like coconut something. Um, mm. And then sprinkled Something on top of it. I don't know what, like red stuff. What was that? Some kind of powder. Um, Let me tell you. It was amazing. It was so good. It was so good. And I'm glad. And I wonder how many. I wonder if if they, as they, what if they would have just stopped at the basic. Well, we've got these flavors and ice. And I wonder how many of us, that's as far as we go with life. I've got Jesus and church. And you're getting the bare minimum. Because there's plenty of frozen ice trucks or whatever they're called, shaved ice. That's what you get, right? But not there. You get ice cream at the bottom. You could put condensed milk on top. You can get the whipped cream with the powder stuff. All of a sudden, it's like they just took that simple shaved ice and made it amazing and i wonder how many of us though we're living a life where we're getting the bare minimum you're just doing shaved ice and the flavoring on top that's a sad sad thing if that's you i'll just be 100 percent honest if you are just getting doing the bare minimum with your life you're missing out at the end of your life you're one day just going to be collecting shells you're going to waste the whole life god gave you You see, Jesus, as Paul is sharing about the salvation, he says, there's belonging that's found in Jesus. There's comfort that's found in Jesus. There's fellowship, fellowship where he's an advocate for us, fellowship where he teaches us. John chapter 14, verse 26, but but when the Father sends the advocate as as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you everything. 
Not only will the Holy Spirit be our advocate, not only will he teach us, but he's going to guide us. And I don't know how many of you need guidance right now, but God says in, this, in salvation, when you mine into the salvation of life, when you mine into the salvation that God has given you, you will find guidance in it. And some of you are wondering, what am I supposed to do next? Well, you're not mining. You're not digging into the love that Jesus has for you. You're stuck at the top when there's so much more to be found. It says, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, John chapter 16, verse 13, 7, 13, sorry, he will guide you into all truth. Guide you into all truth. And as we learn more about how great Jesus is, so Paul, man, I, 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 as I was putting this together, this sermon, I'll show you my notes a little bit here. Because I was like, these are my notes. If you want to see them, they're sort of crazy. I started here, I got to here, I'm here and here. And I get down to here, and then I'm like, but wait a minute, everything, gold is in 12. The verse that so many times, work out your salvation, and Christians are so scared of, like, what does that mean to work out? And when I learned it, I'm like, man, when you work out all the stuff that Paul's talking about, and you get to verse 12, then you're like, yes, I get it. I get it. And so Paul, he continues in his heart because he sees in his church this division that is happening everywhere. He sees that they're missing out on this life. They're fighting about so many things. And I look at our nation right now, and I look at Christians now, and how divisive we are. We're divisive. I mean, we just, we post things because we want to make sure that people are aware. Whether it's masks, whether it's unhealth, whether it's, man, you don't realize, whatever. I don't want to go into it. We all have our own opinions. This is, and I'm just going to stick where I am. But we're so divisive. And in, in Paul's day, he didn't have to worry about that. Because they just said things to your face. They weren't sidestepping or being manipulative or doing little subtweets. They weren't being little, so many words that I could use right now, but I won't. They just were purposefully being divisive. It was way easier. And so Paul comes at him and he says, okay, we want to dig out this salvation. We want to get more out of it. But when you are divisive, you're not getting anything out of it. Paul says in verse 2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than themselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. So how do we get the most out of this life? How are we going to dig the most? How, how are we going to live the most when it comes to this life? How are we going to do it? We pursue unity. Unity has to be so key. If you want to get the most out of your life, you want, if you want to get the most out of this life that God has for you, unity has got to be an anchor to what you do. It's amazing at what a unified front will do. When you see a great offensive, I'm a huge football fan. When you see a great offensive line, and how they protect their quarterback. Some of you are like, what in the world is offensive line? It's the really big guys on, on the front of a football team. And their job is to make sure that their running back or their quarterback does not get sacked. Sacked means tackled. means attacked. That's the goal. And, and if you've been a Cardinals fan ever, you, you know that we rarely ever have a good offensive line. But when you have a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, they invest in a unified front line. Because if you don't protect your quarterback, he cannot play to the highest level that he is called to do. 
when we are unified, when we as a church, when we as a people are unified for one purpose, and that purpose is Jesus, there's so much that can be done. And this is all part of living a life that's so big for all of us. And Paul says this. He's, he's pleading with the church. He says, be of the same mind. Be of the same love. Be of the same spirit. The same purpose. When we become selfish, as it gets into verses 3 and 4 then, when we become selfish, we start to miss out on life. You think you're going to get more life. You think, well, I really want this. I really want to have this in life. I need this. This is where I need to go. This is what I need to have. When we get focused on ourselves, it destroys your life. And I have seen selfishness destroy marriages because somebody wants something more than anything else. I've seen it happen so many times. So many times, that's what destroys a marriage. It's not just because, you're like, well, is it because they slept with somebody outside of marriage? No, it's because of selfishness. That's what happens. The, the root cause is this pride and selfishness inside them, and it ruins marriages. It ruins lives. It ruins relationships. It ruins families. It ruins re, um, relationships within a church. When we become selfish and we only think about ourselves. And I wonder... If for some of us in here, the reason why we're missing out on living a full life, the reason why we're, where we are now is no longer satisfying to us, is because we are so focused on us, we're missing out on the life that God has for us. Because remember, Paul, he's leading to this verse that I think is such an, a key verse to Philippians. Work out your salvation, not that you have to work for it, but get as much out of it. Get as much out of it that you can. There's this life that God has for us. And then Paul gives us this example of Jesus. And he says, okay, you want to know what a, a life lived to the fullest looks like? He says, it looks like this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus. For those of you who don't know who Jesus is, this is what Jesus did. He says, although he existed and he was God in the form of God, he did not regard himself Equally with God, a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. He took the form of a bondservant. He became a human being. And in the likeness of men, being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him. That means to lift him up and bestowed, that means to put on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. This will happen. Whether you do it voluntarily or whether you have to do it, this will happen. Every knee will bow. And many of us, we're going to do it out of praise and honor and thanksgiving for this great salvation that we have. Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. You see, we see here this contrast. Jesus was God, yet he didn't cling to it. He had privilege, yet he gave it up. He was perfect, yet he humbled himself. He was a ruler, yet he became ruled and submitted to God. He was eternal, yet he gave his life to die so that we might be set free, so that we could live a life that is so much more than we could ever imagine or think. You see, Jesus is our example of a selfless person. He's an 
example of a life lived getting the most out of life by giving all of his life. And I wonder how many of us are not getting the most out of our life because we're only giving a part of our life. We're only giving our spouse little pieces. We're only giving our kids our leftovers. We're only giving the work, our work, the job that we have, the bare minimum because we're like, why do they deserve more than anything else? We're only getting the bare minimum out of our relationships because we're like, why do they need more? If you know anything about personalities and maybe you like it or not, I'm an Enneagram 8. The hardest thing for an Enneagram 8 is to trust people. I don't trust people. It's hard for me. One of the reasons I've been burned by some of my best friends. It's hard. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on life because we live with these excuses, because we live holding things back, and but we see that Jesus got the most out of life because he gave it all. For Jesus to get the most out of his life, he had to give all of his life. All of it. He had to die to self. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might lift you up. You see, if you want a life, we've got to humble ourselves and God will lift you up. And here's what happens. If you've ever been in a garden, the grape, the vine with the most grapes lays the lowest. You ever notice that? But what if those vines that are way up tall on the vine, they're up on the lattice and they're like, look at me, I look great. And the vine that has all the fruit looks and says, God, why can't I be way up there like that? And I wonder how many of us are going, man, life is pretty good. We're doing this, and we're a, we're a vine that has no fruit. And then you got those grapes, and those grapes, what happens is those grapes, they get heavy. And that vine, where does that vine sit? Where do those grapes sit? They sit in the mud, don't they? They get dirty, and they probably feel like, man, I, nobody appreciates me. Nobody's looking at me, and you're this vine. But what does the vine dresser do? What does that person do? He comes into the vineyard. He sees those grapes that are low, those vines that are producing so much fruit. And what does he do? He lifts them up. You see, your life, you may be going, but God, are you noticing? God says, I notice. I know you're getting dirty, but it's because you're getting the most out of life. Sometimes when you give the most, you get the dirtiest in life. Because you're, you're willing to get down in people's mud. You're willing to submit to somebody else. Even though you want something else, you're pursuing it. You're going to get it with all you want. And you're wondering, my life is up here. And God says, but that's not where I want you to be. I want you to be down here. Be like my son who gave up everything. Because to get the most out of your life, you've got to give the most out of your life. You see, but that power doesn't come within you. It comes from Jesus. And it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now more, much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Just mine it. Go into it. Realize that you belong, that you can find comfort, that you can find fellowship in Jesus. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is going to complete the work. But are you digging? Are you digging and trying to get the most out of your life? 
Or are you getting the bare minimum? Are you thriving to be the top of the vineyard so that you can get the most sunlight? Or are you willing to get down? Are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to follow Jesus' example of giving everything so that he might get you? You like those slides with the chicken wing. How much are you getting out of the life God's given you? Like that watermelon. How much of your life are you getting? Are you making the most of it? At the end of your life, are you going to be like that t-shirt? I lived my life and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Or, at the end of your life, will you have mined everything possible? Seen what God has for you because you dug into this salvation. You realize that there's belonging found, that there's comfort found, that there's fellowship found. And then in this, you pursue, you, you desire to be unified, the same mind, same heart, same purpose. So I ask you, are you getting the most out of your life? Or are you cutting yourself short? What do you need to change? What do you need to do? Do you need to maybe give your life to Jesus, surrender your life to Him? Do you maybe need to go to your spouse and say, you know what, I've been selfish. I've been selfish and I'm sorry. Do you need to maybe reevaluate your work ethic and say, you know what, I've been doing the bare minimum. maybe you've been sitting and you're, you've been a believer for a while, but you've never taken a step into obedience, into baptism with Jesus. Maybe you're cutting yourself short because you haven't even gone all in with Jesus yet. Maybe that's what you're missing out. I don't know what your next step is, but I know that none of us want to live a life where at the end of our life we say, I lived my life to 78 and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. I know we want to say, I live my life and Jesus said at the end, well done well done because it's not your power it is the power of Jesus living in you, flowing through you to give you the strength to live the most and get the most out of the life he has for you, let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you thank you, thank you Jesus, thank you for loving us for caring for us Jesus, if, if we are only getting the bare minimum, if we're only scraping the edges, Jesus, I, convict us right now. If we are a believer in you right now and we are only doing the bare minimum, we've maybe been living selfish, maybe we, we're not belonging to you, maybe we're not in fellowship with you, I don't know where we're at. Maybe if, if, if we're not getting the most, convict us, Lord. Help us realize there's so much goodness found in you. Jesus, if we've never given our life to you, we've been living this life trying to do things in our own strength. Jesus, if that's where we're at, I ask that we would surrender today so that we might receive, so that we might belong to you, that we might find comfort in you, that we might find fellowship in you. 
And if that's you, if you need to surrender your life today, if you've been living so much for yourself, you've never given your life to Jesus, you never realized that he died for you on a cross, that he gave up everything for you, and that's news to you. That's good news, but it's news to you. I ask that you pray with me. It's a simple prayer of, of giving your life to Jesus, surrendering, so that he might give you life back. Pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for loving me. And Jesus, I ask that you'd forgive me. Jesus, I want to live the life that you have for me. And I want to get the most out of it. Thank you that I can find belonging in you. Thank you that I can find comfort in you. Thank you that I can find fellowship in you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, help us all to live the life you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.